You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, West Side Church. It is so great to be here with you all. I mean, I'm just feeling the love. I have to say, aloha. Um, thank you so much for the worship team. It's just fantastic. I mean, I'm so moved. Um, but I just wanted to just take a few minutes to really express my heartfelt gratitude to Steve and Carrie Lounsbury, to Kenny and Val, Justin and Emma, and the whole West Side staff for their spiritual leadership and servant hearts. You guys are so blessed to have an incredible ministry staff who strive to walk in step with the Spirit and lead with love, compassion, and humility, especially to navigate the church through the pandemic and all the social and political unrest. It's not an easy task. So thank you, thank you, thank you, or in Hawaii as we say, mahalo nui loa. I also want to say thank you to the rest of the West Side Church for your love, Um, as you have shown to my daughter, Kala'i. You know, as a mom, um, that just means so much. Like, I feel loved by the way that, you know, I have heard so much about all of you. And so it's so great to be able to be face-to-face and see and meet all of you. Um, You know, I heard the saying, love is shown in the little things. And um, Actually, recently, Michelle Carrillo, who is a women's ministry leader who I work with in the metro region, she did a devotional and really um, reminded us about how Jesus modeled for us how to live a life of love for each individual that we come in contact with and how he noticed and saw every individual as my people. And how we have, when we have that mindset of my people, we are more inclined to sacrifice for to look out for, to hold on to, to forgive and empathize with my people. And you have proved this by your love, Westside Church. And I do want to give a special shout-out to the AO Campus Ministry. You guys are amazing. Um, You know, it's the little things, though. It's like taking the time to learn how to pronounce or spell someone's name correctly. I appreciate Steve asking. He's like, I want to make sure I say your Kia I know right. And so thank you. You did awesome, Steve. And in Kalei's case, it's not easy with the Hawaiian first and last name. But, you know, it's the little things, how you notice a new face in the crowd, how you take time to pray for someone, to pray with someone in their time of need, have them over for a meal, you know, give someone their favorite snack, how you bless a young college student with a Starbucks card. Or some extra cash. Sending scriptures over text and just letting them know I'm thinking of you. So, church, I just wanted to just express really from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being Kalei's spiritual honor and making her feel loved in all the little ways that really has made a big difference in her faith. I'm called higher by your faith and pray that many others will experience God's love as we follow Jesus' example. So thank you for letting me share. Aloha! Okay, you guys ready for our Bible study? Let's dive into the Word of God. Thank you so much for having us out here. My name is Reese Kia Aina, and uh, let me put this. Down. 
My name is Reese Kiana, and, you know, my wife and I serve in the Metro L.A. region. I see a couple Metro L.A. Uh, folks out here. The Simmons and the Evans are here with us today. It's so good to have them here. And, uh, you know, I've been a Christian for 29 years, and I've been married for 26 years. I have three kids. It's very difficult to pronounce their names. I never thought I would be in L.A., but I am, and so we got to deal with that as we go, right? Uh, we serve, we've been serving in Metro for the last nine years. And uh, it's been such a blast to be in Metro. And from the bottom of our hearts, from the Carrillos, from the Webbers, uh, to the whole uh, West Side staff here, as well as the West Side Ohana here, thank you so much for having us. Uh, let's dive in with a prayer and let's get right into our Bible study. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. We're, we're grateful that we can spend time in your word today and uh, understand the series about an outcast. And I look for, forward to talking about the demon-possessed man this morning. And uh, we pray that you would guide us, that uh, oftentimes uh, we all have past, we all have labels, we all have different sins in our past that plague us. And thank you so much for Jesus that uh, he forgives all those and looks beyond that. And we look forward to a great Bible study that will move us, inspire us, challenge us, uh, and encourage our faith as we walk out here with a little bit more faith than perhaps we came in. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, if you can see, is it is my screen up? How about now? Okay. How many of you have ever felt labeled before? Some of you felt labeled before? Uh, you might have ever felt labeled. You know, I put labels on myself. I grew up, I didn't grow up with a father. And so I remember feeling like, wow, I'm the one, I'm the kid that only has one parent. And I remember feeling that and feeling insecure growing up. How about as an athlete? I remember I played basketball, football, and track in high school. I played football at Portland State University, uh, you know, and I had a great time. You know, I was the shortest guy on the field, okay? And uh, I remember, you know, as an athlete, I remember this teacher one time telling me, you know, you athletes, you guys are dumb jocks. And I was like, you will never, ever, ever be student body president in our school. So you know what I did? I ran for student body president as a junior. And here's the funny thing. I won as a junior. I wasn't thinking of winning. I did a horrible job as student body president. I did a horrible job, man. I, I was so terrible because my heart wasn't there. I was only doing it to prove this lady long I, wrong because I felt labeled. I feel labeled for my height. When somebody asked me how tall am I, I sometimes go around 5'7", give her two inches or so. I'm really 5'5 five, five and a fourth. Please don't forget the fourth, okay? It's 5'5 five, five and a fourth. And, but I don't know if you've ever felt labeled before in college because my receiver coach couldn't pronounce my name. You know what he called me? Pineapple. It's okay. It's okay, guy. He called me Pineapple because he couldn't pronounce my name. And, you know, you know who Gio Garces is, right? He's our youth camp director, right? He calls me Aloha. <laughs> he goes, hey, Aloha, good to see you, Spam. He calls me that name. We laugh about it all the time. And I know we're in a tense moment in our country right now. But labels, right, have a super huge negative effect on our lives. They can affect our self-esteem. And so I want you to turn over to uh, Luke chapter 8 for a minute. And let's, let's dive into a Bible study right now. 
We've all been labeled before. I, I put money on it. I bet if you've been alive, somebody has probably looked at you a certain way, maybe for your ethnic background or, or, or how tall you are or short you are, all these kinds of things. And labels affect our self-esteem, our expectations, our dreams, and can leave us helpless, hopeless, and hurting because someone looks at us a certain way. But, you know, as you, we do this series, as you're doing this series on outcasts, I'm so encouraged to speak about this guy in the Bible, the demon-possessed man. And, and I, I, I can't see my screen, so I hope you can, if, if, if it's not there, just, uh, bro, just flip it as we go, okay? And in Luke chapter 6... I hope this, I'm going to do one point and one practical, and I hope that will encourage your faith. Amen? In verse 26, it says, They sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had, driven, had, and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Uh, if you can't see the screen, maybe the guy can change it as we go. But we just looked at this passage in, in Luke chapter 8, right? The, the, the demon-possessed man. What a disturbing scene this was. I want you to picture this for a minute where Jesus just calmed the storm previous to this. And he gets off this boat, and this demon-possessed man with many, many demons comes and meets Jesus and talks to Jesus, and, and he doesn't have any clothes on. He's screaming at Jesus at the top of his voice. Imagine if that was church this morning. Think about this for a second. What if the person sitting next to you was naked? How would you react? What would you say to this guy? This guy was yelling at Jesus. There's a couple things, you know, look at, look at one of the things that, Je that is so profound about Jesus. Can you see that screen? Is that he asks questions. And I love that about Christ. He always asks the right question. He asked him, what is your name? Now, is that something you would ask this guy? Maybe. I know I wouldn't. You know what I'd say? I'd say, dude, how did you know I was here? Who told you I was here? I'd say, put some clothes on, is what I would say. I wouldn't ask him for his name. I would say, put some clothes on. I would say, where do you live? Or do you live in a, where do you live? House? Nope, not a house. Apartment? Not an apartment. Tent? Not in a tent. He says, tombs. How would you react to that? That sounds, that, that, that's scary, right? I would be scared. You know what else I would say? Dude, stop yelling at me. That's what I would say as he, was, as he was going about yelling at Jesus. I mean, think about what he even said. He said, don't torture me, Jesus. I mean, if you care about your reputation, wouldn't you be concerned about that? There's a lot of things to say to me, but don't torture me. Man, what, what a, what a, how Jesus could be all stirred up in this kind of situation. 
you could say that this guy had some glaring issues, that he had many issues. And I relate to this guy. When I came to church, I mean, think about when he, when he asked his name, what did he reply? What was his name? Legion. <laughs> you know what a legion is, right? In, in the Roman army, a legion is 6,000 soldiers. I mean, I'd be like, hey, do you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be freaking out, to be quite honest. If, if that was a guy I met at church, I'd be like, hey, your name is Legion? Uh, do you know Steve? Do you know Mark something? You know, I think you could, uh, Kenny, you probably want to fellowship with those guys. They could help you out right now. I mean, I'd do everything I can to get out of this situation. And yet, not Jesus, right? If we're honest, you may have some labels to your name. Somebody might have labeled you. In high school, there's a lot of things that I was ashamed of, and, and, and even when I first came to church. I was ashamed because I barely made it out of high school. I had a 2.3 GPA, and I struggled. You know, I was arrogant. I was a womanizer. Grace is the only woman I've ever been faithful to in my life. And the fact that she married me is the grace of God. And that, what a joke on God, right? Like the humor of God that I need to understand God's grace. And he gives me a woman named Grace that, that I got to marry in my life. What a risk she took for me, though, you know, to do that. I was a partier. I was troubled uh, when I came to church. I think you would label me as unstable when I first came to church. Uh, looked at pornography, super out of control in my life. And that was my life when I first started coming to church, you know. And, uh, and I came for two reasons in 1992. You want to know what those two reasons were? I came for girls and food in that order. Now, let's be honest. I know all of, I know all, all of you love Jesus, right? But some of you might have come to church for other reasons than just Jesus. And I came for girls. At Bible Talk, I was getting all the sisters' numbers. I don't think you would like me. I don't think you would have liked me when I came to church for the first time. I was literally getting sisters' numbers so I could go work out with them. And then I bought a songbook. And you know how when somebody buys a songbook back in the day, right? They're like, oh, that guy bought a songbook. He's going to become a Christian. I had no intention of becoming a Christian. I was trying to hit on all the sisters at church. Now, you might go, man, I don't know if I can respect this guy. It's okay. Sometimes I don't even respect myself. I mean, it's okay if you did it. But I know one thing is that Jesus, just like this guy, wanted to know his name. And, and you might have labels to your name or a past that you may have. You might even have a past in church. You might even have a reputation in church for being the blank. Does that make sense? And yet what I love about Jesus, and this is what my first point is, is that Jesus loved people in spite of their past. So if you got a pass this morning, this is a place for you this morning, amen? If you got a pass, if you had some labels put on you before, and why is this important to know that, that Jesus is like this, that he loves people in spite of their past? It's so that we don't let our past or the labels that we have define who we are. We're all made in the image of God, amen? Whether you're a Christian or not, you are made in the image of God, and God respects us no matter what, and we're made to be like God. And so our past doesn't ever have to define us. And I'm so grateful that Jesus would look at us that way and not define who I am, amen? It's also important to know that so we don't let our past or the labels distract us from following Jesus. We, all come to, we can all come to Jesus in our sins this morning. If you're, if you're a mess, this is the place for you. 
If you're looking for a, a church that is perfect, this is not the church for you. Is anybody perfect in here? I'm not convinced. Anybody perfect? Maybe everybody over here is perfect. Maybe everybody here, the nobody over here has passed. Some of you may not have any kind of past. But one of the things is Jesus loved people in spite of their past, period. Well, why is that though? Why would he want to know a guy like this? Because that's Jesus. Thank God he's not like me. You know, Maya Angelou said, I've learned, this is the theology of Jesus, that he learns to, he, he loves people in spite of whatever past, whatever sins you may have hanging over you, whatever background you have, he loves you in spite of you. And that's the kind of love that we get to have and the kind of leadership we get to be under, amen, in the kingdom of God. Is that no matter what your past is like, Jesus loves you. He's not irritated by you, disappointed in you. He, in fact, he's there to honor you, to, to come to you, to relax with you, to spend time with you, and want to know your name. You know, names are a big deal. It's funny because my kids all have Hawaiian names and, and it's hard for them to, you know, for people to say those names like that. But names are important. And I appreciate that Jesus took the time to want to know. Maya Angelou said, is that slide up? It says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And think about Jesus. He made this guy feel amazing. Do you think this guy ever forgot this interaction? Maybe not. Well, I want to talk about how did Jesus express his love, okay? So the first point, and my only point, is how did he express that love? Go with me to John chapter 13. Amen? So if you got a pass this morning, say amen. If you got some labels behind your name, say amen. Because there's hope for all of us. We get to be seen a certain way and looked at a certain way in the kingdom of God. Amen? In Luke chapter 13 and verse 1, well, how did he express his love? It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come, chapter 13, verse 1, for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from a meal took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. Oh, after that, he poured water in the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know, this passage is an is a incredible passage. How did Jesus express his love? Well, he served the disciples by washing their feet. Now, how many of you have ever done that before? Have you ever washed somebody's feet before? It's a humbling experience, right? And I appreciate that. I mean, would you wash your parents' feet? Absolutely, right? Would you wash your friends' feet? Some of them. <laughs> Depends. <laughs> okay? But I want to tell you the context of this passage that makes this passage so amazing. Is that... If you look at this slide here, can you see that slide? How Jesus was treated by his own disciples. Judas betrayed him, right? Different people treated him a certain way. Peter denied him. 
Thomas doubted him, and the 12 left. Now, let me ask you that question again. Would you wash the feet of somebody who denies even that they know you? That is what makes this passage powerful. It's not that he washed the feet of people that, that, that all treated him well. He washed the, I mean, would you, I, I could, sheesh, uh, thank you, Jesus, that, that, this, that I'm not the Jesus of the Bible, right? Because this would read differently if this was Reese in here. Reese would be, well, you know what, maybe when, when I'm washing Thomas's feet, you know, the guy who doubted Jesus, I might like, oops, I might nick his toe, right? Like, or, or cut his toe or something like that. Or if that was, if that was uh, Peter, right? Or Peter, I would be like, oh, oops, I actually took off his nail. You know what I mean? It would be crazy. Thank you, God, that I'm not like Jesus. But honestly, I get even when people diss me. I don't, I'm not the kind of guy that just overlooks it. I, I get even sometimes, and that's why I need Jesus so much in my life. I mean, with Peter den- denying him, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I nicked your, pe- your baby toe. Man, my bad, Peter. You know, that would have been the, how that read and that thing, but thank you, God, that it doesn't read that, right? If, if you're married and somebody, in, uh, a guest came to church and was hitting on your wife, would you invite that guy over for dinner? That's what this is talking about. Jesus would absolutely wash the feet of somebody who totally betrayed him, doubted him, deserted him, which is what makes that passage so powerful, right? It's one thing to wash the feet of people that you know and treat you well. It's quite another thing to wash the feet of people who who deny you, desert you, you know, betray you. And that's that's how Christ expressed his love to his disciples is he washed their feet knowing willingly that they're going to all desert. They're all going to, Judas is going to betray. I mean, it just goes to show why Jesus is so amazing. In John chapter 15, we're, we're almost done. In John chapter 15, I want you to be thinking about this. Uh, and, one, and I appreciate Amanda and Naomi sharing for communion because it was an awesome communion, wasn't it, today? In, in verse 12, it says, uh, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So think about it. Even after he knew what would happen to him, how these guys were going to treat him, he goes, I, I don't want to just call you servants, right? I want to call you friends. Like, he, like for Jesus, he has every right to have a master-servant relationship with us. But he didn't just want that. He wanted more than that. He wanted their friendship. And doesn't he have the right to have a master-servant relationship? He's the one who died. He's the one who gave up his life. He's the one who, who laid down his life for all the disciples. But he didn't just want to treat his disciples as servants. He wanted more than that. He wanted friendship. And I appreciate this, the series you're going through because when people come to church, they, they want friendship. Amen. They want to be looked at a certain way and treated with respect. So here's the practical today. Let me close. Here's the practical. You got that right there? Give some loving instead of some judging. It's easy. You know, Steve finished school, right? I went back and I got my master's as well in the program that he was in. And... Man, one of the things I realize is how judgmental I am. I am incredibly judgmental as a person 
when things happen. You know, like, look at me. I'm over here telling you how judgment I would be of this guy, right, this demon-possessed man. Uh, and what the practical I want you to leave with today is give some loving instead of some judging. It's easy to judge people. You know what non-Christians hate? They hate being judged. They hate Christians looking at them and go, oh, this is sinful and somehow I'm better and I don't, I don't have any sin that I have in my life. And part of the MRE program, the master's program, is growing in our theological imagination and being open to other ways of thinking. Amen? That there's not only one way of thinking. There's some things that you can be narrow with in the Bible. You know, today in our world, there's so much hate, right? There's so much hate, division. I mean, nowadays in the church, guys, you, you can be divided on so many issues in the world right now, how people feel about masks, not masks, vaccines, not vaccines, social justice issues. Is it, is it just our region going through this or are you going through it as well? You, you probably are. And, and, there's, and there's easy to take positions, and I'm all for I'm all for people having a voice, for people sharing their thoughts and, and, and really giving their heart and, and uh, you know, going, this is what I believe on, on debatable issues. But let's remember, you know, to love each other in, when somebody sees something differently than we do. Amen? Like if somebody looks at an issue and they go, well, this is what I think. I mean, you can love a Republican, right? You can love a Democrat. You can love a liberal. You can love a conservative. You can love an independent. Doesn't the Bible say that if you're a Christian, love your enemies, right? And I'm not saying those are enemies of ours. But what I am saying is, is that it's easy to, that from my perspective in the region that we're working with right now as well, I see some of our Metro LA folks, we're trying to battle and tackle a lot of these issues in the world right now. And then imagine if it's so easy to be judgmental in this time. But, you know, Satan has been working us, right? He's been working hard. Any of you know this? Uh, can you see that slide? You know who that is? Is that a man right there? His name is Paul Harvey. Anybody know who Paul Harvey is? Yeah? Who, who, who is Paul Harvey? Do you remember? A radio guy. You're right, huh? You're absolutely right. In April 3rd, 1965, 56 years ago. I mean, this is not new for Satan to want to divide people. This is an address. Paul Harvey was an ABC commentator who wrote a speech on April 3rd, 1965. His broadcast reached 24 million listeners and readers as 1,600 radio stations and 300 newspapers carried his programs and columns across the country. He was, in 2005, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom for his contributions to the nation, and then in 2009, he passed away. But he did a speech in 1965 that I want to read to you this morning that I hope can give us perspective as we're trying to tackle a lot of the issues, and, and we're on both sides of different issues, you know, where, where you're going you're gonna to run into people who believe certain things or take positions on this that you may disagree, and I hope we can learn to be like Jesus and not judge one another in the midst even if we disagree amen isn't unity is supposed to be there when we are in disagreement that when if you're supposed to disagree in order for us to learn how to have true unity and so i want to encourage us with that but here's a, a, a prophetic message that he read to america in 1965 and it was called if i were the devil if i were the prince of darkness i would want to engulf the whole world in darkness 
I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I would not be happy until I seized the ripest apple on the tree, thee. So I would set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first, and I would begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince the children that man created God instead of the other way around. I'd confide that what, what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. Then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed by fighting. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd, mesmer I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellect but neglect to discipline emotions. I tell teachers to let those students run wild, and before you knew it, you'd have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I've had prisons overflowing and judges promoting pornography. Soon I would evict God from the courthouse and the schoolhouse and then from the houses of Congress. In his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and defy science. I'd lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I'd killed the incentive of the ambitious. What do you bet that I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I'd convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, and that what you see on television is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public and lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cures. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. This was written in 1965. Where are we on this? Where are we as a nation on this? Would you go, wow, that's prophetic. And as we talk about all the issues that are going on, let's just remember, amen? Let's just remember that we can, we can disagree on things and we can love one another in the midst of our disagreements, amen? And so today, as you think about different things, and I hope this, this you know, lessons encourages you a little bit to, to remember that as we talk about issues, give some loving instead of some judging. And, and, and learn to value other perspectives because it is important for us to value different types of perspectives. Amen. I want you to, to close you today with. I can't see that slide right now. I'm going to skip over it. Bro, can you turn me to the slide that says show respect? So what can you do today when, when, when we're working with people in our fellowship, right? Or people outside of our fellowship. Well, show respect. Spend time. Show respect to people who, dis who disagree. If you're, if you're, like, ready to, like, flat out lose your mind because somebody has a position on this, show respect. 
it's okay. They're made in the image of God as well. And we can somewhere get to the middle on different things, you know. Hey, I'm not saying be, 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 you know, for us not to be narrow on certain issues. Like salvation, obviously we're going to be narrow on it, right? But on something that is debatable, remember that your perspective, my perspective, isn't the only perspective. There are many, many perspectives and many ways to look at an issue. Amen? And so show respect. Spend time. Look what Jesus did. Spend time. Serve willingly. You know, in verse 35, it, later on, as, as, as the different people get to see this demon-possessed man, the Bible says that after he had spent time with Jesus, he was dressed and sitting in his right mind. And you know what then it says after that? It says then people were afraid. Even after this guy changed his life, right, his life radically changed. People wanted, Jesus, people wanted to get rid of Jesus. Why? Even though change happened. And it goes to show that sometimes change is slow. You know, sometimes change is slow. But with Jesus, we can change quickly. And we can, we can be there for one another in the midst of all these. So as we close today, I want you to think about what did we learn today, right? We learned about Jesus and the demon-possessed man. He loved, the, what's the point? He loved people in spite of their sin. Amen? Can you do that? You can. I can do that. It doesn't matter what someone's past is or what labels they have. He, he, how did he do that? Well, he served the disciples knowing that they'd sin against him, and he called them to be his friends. Well, what is the practical today? Give some loving instead of some judging. Amen? And as you go about your day, I want to close with this thought with my daughter. You know, my daughter would, when she was six years old, when Clay was six years old, she would always, when I would drop her off at school, she'd always tell me, Daddy, be brave because God is with you. As you go about your day, as you go about dealing with different issues in the church, as you go about, as, you, as we reopen in the world, as we're engaging with one another, let's remember, be brave because God is with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.